0: what's up buggy fans we are at hill four that's right it is season four of shoot the shit and we are back with some more of the best stories in the world of buggy to show you what makes this sport special which is you the characters and the teams that build up the wonderful legacy and lore of the sport of buggy so go ahead and strap on your safety harnesses get in because it's time for some more great buggy stories here on shoot the shit what's up everybody Talking today about one of the most exciting, interesting teams of the past decade plus, that of course being Apex, uh, founded by a group of students from a residence hall, uh, the residents on Fifth, who kind of really wanted to defy the odds and be like, yeah, we can start a buggy team. Uh, You probably know about their culture of openness, sharing this kind of notion of open source buggy, Uh, but there's a whole lot more interesting stuff we dig into here, going through the team's history, talking about establishing a culture how do you square that notion of openness versus growth trying to grow a buggy team become competitive how do you pass it down how do you kind of democratize at the same time build order just some really cool stuff here, and I think if you listen to last week's Pioneers episode, really great to kind of see that narrative continue um, and see the phoenix that, that rose out of the ashes, if you will. Uh, so I think you're going to enjoy this one. Without further ado, let's go ahead and let the guests introduce themselves.
1: Hey, everyone. Um Connor Hayes. People tend to call me Mr. Apex. I guess that's true. Um,
2: I'm Josio Santillan. I don't have a cool nickname like Connor does.
3: Hi, I'm Andre, um, and for the record, I always referred to Connor as Old Man Connor, so.
4: <laughs> hi, I'm Sydney Baker. Uh, hi, I'm Isabella Vella.
1: Andre, should we tell them that everybody refers to you as Andre sucks?
3: <laughs> yeah, but let's not tell them that's the password to all our accounts.
0: <laughs> it's not Good. anymore. <laughs> we're going to we're going to work on getting a nickname counter so far i think we're at 3 uh within a minute so that's good um cool yeah so so thanks y'all really excited for you to join again kind of just interested in continuing this through line of the birth of apex and um you know i was very tangentially there as a ol oc i think in the res but it is kind of this interesting thing Maybe something we can even get to later about how it did come out of the residence hall, but very separate from from sort of SDC. Uh, So I guess take it back to the beginning. I know, you know, some of you were there and just kind of what were the forces? When did this idea come around of this kind of, you know, ragtag group of like, hey, let's start a buggy team, buggy thing and uh, buggy team, buggy team. And uh, what was that like?
1: Yeah, well, so you're exactly right uh, in that you did have a tangential involvement um, as the O.C. for most of the founding members at the residence on Fifth. There was a—I don't want to say a spark that totally came from you, but this feeling of, hey, well, you're at Carnegie Mellon, like make sure you get the most out of it, and really, you know, don't leave things on the table. There's a lot to offer here, and go out and do it so we took that maybe a little bit too literally um and i guess the energy and the idea that started apex all came from this idea that we had to steal all of the different totems from uh house wars that each one of the different dorms brought uh during orientation week so we hatched a plan to go out in the middle of the night because somebody had made a mistake and given me as a freshman a uh resident uh, an RA ID card. So I had access to all of the dorms across campus.
0: What? Sorry, real quick. Was that loaned to you or was that just like a misprint? Like, a complete on misprint.
1: ID. So I had access to every dorm on campus as a freshman, <laughs> which was kind of an awesome little secret that I was able to, to hold on to. And so we catch this plan and we stole all of the totems from all of the different dorms, except for Stever, where we went a little bit further and Almost got ourselves into some serious trouble uh, where we stole the ping pong table from Stever so that we would have a ping pong table for our own uh, floor in our dorm. Now, how something seemingly so unrelated to Apex turned into the launch of Apex was this idea of like, hey, we just did something that's like borderline illegal, fully illegal, but (laughs) very difficult to pull off. So we got this mentality amongst the friend group that we had built on our floor in our dorm of yeah we can kind of go ahead and do everything um so when my friend trevor decker came up with this idea of hey you know some dorms build booths for carnival like booths kind of lame why don't we do a dorm buggy team nobody's done that before we just took that idea and ran with it Wow,
0: I had no idea some of that backstory with, um, yeah, the ping pong. T- it is it is illegal, but at the same time, it's CMU property to CMU property. But, um, not you know not not to lose the thread here. Um, so so y'all jumped into it. R- are you the only one? And uh, excuse me for just <clears throat> not being familiar enough, Connor. Are you the only one on this recording who is there for day one, or some of the rest of you? Yeah. Is so to Connor-
1: give you some background. I was around from year one to the middle of year, and of year three. Josio came in year four and was there through year eight or so. Andre came in, I think, a year after Josio and stuck around for four years. Sydney came in the last year that Andre was around. And then Isabel came in two years after Sydney Andre and I saw hear. them through uh, last year when they got their highest finish ever.
0: Sweet. All right. So we, we really run this pan. And that's what is it, eleven years now? Was it twenty twelve? Twenty eleven?
1: Twenty twelve was our first race day. Yep. Wow.
0: So eleven years this race day, which is awesome and congratulations. This,
1: this will be the twelfth race that Apex has well, would be the twelfth race we hadn't had in COVID, uh that Apex would have participated in. Yeah.
0: Right, right. Because well, we don't need to get into all of that. Um but cool, right? So you get this you get this kind of wild idea of like, hey, we can steal stuff, we can uh, <laughs> We can build a buggy team because that follows, Um, you know, we talked a little bit last week with pioneers and obviously y'all haven't heard that episode yet, but just sort of, you know, Ethan talking about passing that information off, but I'd love to kind of hear it from, from your perspective, Connor. And, um, you know, obviously it's a big concept building and making a buggy team. So kind of what were the things and the steps you kind of took to like, actually, play that out in that year one?
1: Yeah, so I think idea one was just convincing people that we weren't crazy, that we could actually pull this thing off, um, was the the most important part to actually get this off the ground. Um, it kept getting dropped in conversations of, hey, this would be really cool if we did it. I think everybody kind of laughed one ha, ha 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 ha. And then I was like, Oh, no, like, we're, we're serious, we're gonna make this happen. So very early on, it was very small, it was me, it was Trevor, Um, my good friend, uh, Alec Kirchman and, uh, a handful of others were kind of floating around this idea and, and thinking about it. And then we started just drumming up more support, hosting kind of, uh, information events, hosting events to see, you know, who might be interested in this. And at that point we added on more people, Alec's roommate, uh, Roberto, who became our first head mechanic. Megan Caffeine who kind of became our Jack of all trades. Uh, she wrote our constitution. She was our treasurer. She was our moral support. She'd wake me up every morning because her bed was on the other side of the wall from where mine was. So she would slam on the, the wall to wake me up in the mornings. Um, Jackson Toph, uh, who ended up becoming uh, one of the real main reasons why we were actually able to build our early buggies from all this machining experience that he had. And now once we had this squad of people that were behind us, it was like, okay, now we need to actually turn this into a serious thing. Started putting together the idea, the concept, and then it was, all right, well, we have no money to build anything. We have nowhere to build anything. And we don't know how to build anything. So (laughs) how are we going to get across to this next step? Um, And I think that that's where couple people came in really clutch from the BAA. Uh, Sam Swift, who was the president at the time, got a chance to meet him going out and visiting a couple roles. Um, And he met the group of people who were on the team and started posting about us on the BAA roles reports. And that really gave us a lot of interesting traction of characters who kept reaching out to us, some with great advice, some with less than great advice, and some with advice that you had to sift through. And um, people like Adam McHugh and Zach Waldman um, were, were pretty critical in us getting ourselves off the ground um, with, with that knowledge in those those early days.
0: Yeah. So, so when you were at Rolls at, at that point, right? You didn't have a buggy, so y'all were just kind of lurking for her at that. And like, how long yeah. kind of was was that going? Just hey, let's just show up and absorb.
1: Yeah. So it was again part of that campaign to try to drive more interest within. You know, friends of mine within people who showed some interest was just to get them to see this thing because I had come out to maybe like the first or second day of roles had talked to a couple teams was trying to figure out where I was going to place myself in in buggy and you know for my original visit I had seen Fringe's bonsai which was a candy red color and red as you can see by all of Apex's gear was my favorite color um, so I was immediately drawn to them and said hey this is who I'm going to join. Uh, met their chairman at the time and uh, a guy named Josh Hickson, we did not get along at first. Um, So we, I was like, "Ah, I really want to, but this is not going to work out. And luckily over the years, Josh and I have also become very, very close friends. Um, But there was definitely some blowups between us, which maybe we can get into later. But um, he was a, a key character actually in the end of Apex getting a buggy and getting onto the course. So um once we had established the team and had been bringing people out and drawing up this energy, we had been in touch with a few people, um, and Sam Swift had gotten us in touch with a gentleman named Zach Waldman. Zach Waldman gave us a buggy to get started with, which was a crap tacular piece of shit that started at some point as maybe a Signu buggy, that one race day in 1984. It may not have. It's all throughout the buggy lore, um, a a very twisted history of where this thing came from. But it rolled for 80 Pi for a while. uh, Then it kept breaking. Eventually, they gave up on it. And um, that was the first buggy that we started with. It was a purple painted camouflage buggy called Camo.
0: And, and, and sort of with that, with camo, I I know eventually I think, right, you got in the pioneer space, but were you just doing stuff in the res at that point on, on that buggy or.
1: Yeah. So I guess we missed a little bit of the timeline here, but we had been introduced to, um, a person, uh, who goes by V. Um, and V was the former chairman of both CIA and then later on pioneers. Kept pioneers going for quite some time, uh, just by you know their own moxie. Yeah, and, and uh, Imagine, yeah, hopefully it, that's in the podcast episode. It, from, it is. Uh, I was, from I from was just going to say, yeah, if
0: you want to hear that story, it's pretty wild. The the pioneer folks just everything they did to keep it afloat <laughs> with like six people kind of messing around. So go check out that that prior episode. But anyway, so I continue.
1: Yeah, so we got introduced to V, and V was like, hey, there's this organization that's dying. I don't want them to die. I love them. Here is Ethan Gladding. Get in touch with this person. So I go to a meeting with Ethan Gladding, and Ethan at the time had long hair and a, I guess, a young Padawan. Um... Rat tail? Rat tail, yes. Yeah, the, uh, the
0: Star Wars term for that.
1: I've never seen Star Wars movie. So um, (laughs) I'm just pulling this out here. And I remember him being like very quiet and very not quiet, but very like curt and to the point and just kind of talking to me. And he was like, all right, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you everything that's down here. You get the space, you get the materials, you get the equipment. There's three things that need to happen. Number one, I get to join your team. Number two, When we build a buggy, we're going with the design that I've already done. And number three, I get to name the first buggy. And I looked at him and went, I really hate giving up control of things, but yes, that's fine. You can have that. I need a shop. We had been looking for a shop, meeting with the school for months. They refused to give us anything. And here was this silver platter that had just been dumped to us. Um, And I was prideful back then more than I am now, but I wasn't stupid. Um, And so we, didn't even i i probably overstepped here we didn't even have a meeting with the team to discuss it with, with anybody i just said yes and we went ahead and did it
0: and that ended up being the birth of phoenix but phoenix didn't roll till your second year is that right
1: correct yes okay
0: so you were in camo the first year um so i i think one thing that's kind of interesting right in, the, in these early days is right you have this very enthusiastic people group of people in the dorm and I think you'll see these blips in buggy history where, you know, you can have a really enthusiastic group of people and then very quickly it goes up in smoke when you lose those people. So I think part of it may be kind of like this open source philosophy of Apex, but I guess if some of the rest of y'all want to sort of chime in, you know, as things transition, like what was it like trying to build a culture that could sustain itself and kind of what maybe drew everybody else to apex when you know it could have been just this flash in the pan with you know this one initial generation of people and then moving out of a dorm and stuff like that like how did you build up a culture and get that to sustain
1: so i'm going to pass i'm going to put Jossio on the spot here because Jossio was part of not quite our first wave of of recruits um but Jossio was one of the people that got recruited kind of just after I had left um, and was able to see what I think everybody refers to as the dark times of Apex uh, where the team actually did almost succumb to exactly what you're talking about, a lack of, of interest and uh, capabilities.
2: Yeah. So I, uh, my freshman year in 2014, I already knew about Buggy before coming to CMU because I did a, the summer pre-college program and everything. So I already knew that if I was going to see me, I was going to join a buggy team. So the first several like weeks of recruitment, I was like at fuel and fuddle, like every night of the week with a different team, <laughs> you know, testing them all out. But um, what drew me to Apex is, well, that year I was one of their only recruits. Yeah, did Greco join my year? Maybe one of two recruits that year. Um, But what drew me there is that they were, you know, small little team that were were still kind of like figuring things out. And I just felt like, oh, I can be a very big part of this instead of, I don't know, I guess uh, with the other teams, I felt like they were more established. And then this was something that I could explore and become a part of from very early on. Um, you know have a lot of input and I just like saw this team and I was like ooh this will be mine I want this and that's what got me really excited Um, I kind of liked the lack of structure Apex had and I thought that was going to be really fun and I wanted to be a big part and I think even in my head then I was like I want to run this team this will be mine Um, and then that's kind of what happened Um, but yeah I mean just being such a small group I was able to like from very early on play a really really big part um, and that was great and yeah like like Connor said um, unknown to me at the time we were in in the dark years of apex so tell the drama people come for the drama things were <laughs> really a little messy um, Andre kind of caught the tail end of that the year after too but we were having a lot of uh, exec issues miscommunication and there was kind of a divide between chairman and head mechanic. So we had uh, you know head mechanic wanting to do one thing chairman wanting to do another chairman doing that thing anyway without the head mechanic knowing there were like secret shop hours and you know factions within Apex. It was Quite messy.
0: Is is the one like is this involved in building a buggy or just just how the buggies are put together or like what <laughs> I guess kind of is this if you want to get into it.
2: Sure. Um at that time when I came in, Phoenix, you know, was already a buggy, already there, had raced before. Um Ember was out of commission because it was unable to, be able to race the year before due to some base plate problems. So Ember was just kind of sitting in the shop shell. And the head mechs were working on a new buggy, uh, which we called just Project Ignition. So we were kind of working on this new buggy, and it was going really slowly. We weren't really making much progress. There was kind of a lack of organization. And the chairman, um, Nick, wanted to just scrap that and just get a buggy out and finish Ember and just replace the base play and everything. And there was just a lot of tension there. So I didn't really know that these shop hours were secret until while we were replacing Ember's base plate, Jackson, the head mechanic, came down the shop and is just like, what the fuck is going on here? And there's like a whole group, whole team is there working on this other buggy. Um, so it got kind of ugly. And I think at the time we kind of saw just like ends justify the means. Like we got a buggy out. That's all that matters. But it was it was not a nice time. It was it was pretty ugly, um, but the following year, uh, I became assistant chairman, and I was kind of working a lot with Nick, and she was kind of getting me and Andre both ready to run Apex, uh, me as chairman and Andre as head mechanic, and so she kind of had this sort of plan set up, and you know without anybody, including us, knowing that's what she was working on. And even though it was a little sneaky from the start, it ended up working out. Right. Um, that was a big thing I wanted to change is we had a lot of like miscommunication and things just kind of happening without other people knowing. So I made it like a really big point to heavily document things. So we lost a lot of documentation, uh, when I was starting to run apex, we just, I, we kind of felt like I started from scratch. Um, cause there was just kind of a big gap between the previous chairman, just not being available. Um, and we just kind of lost a lot of knowledge. So me and Andre kind of started from scratch. We got a new buggy out. Uh, I even did a little bit of rebranding my year. That was the first year we didn't have red t-shirts. I was just like, Apex is a mess right now. We're starting all over. Andre's got his gray Firefly t-shirt. Still sad
1: about this one.
2: yeah i was just like you know what we just need to start over um even the the t-shirt before firefly was a t-shirt nick had just decided without voting like this is our t-shirt and then that was what was made um and i was like even though that's a a dumb small thing i was like no everything is going to be voted on we're going to do everything together and that's why we, we steered away from red um Eventually went back to red, so don't worry. We, there's it's all over the place. The t-shirts, <laughs> all sorts of fun colors now. Um, the hoodies stay red. That that's a constant, I think, at the moment. But the race day t-shirts vary based on the buggies that come out, um, which I think is pretty standard for most teams. Is that most teams have like a new buggy and that's buggy they're showcasing, and that was what was lacking in Apex for a while. Is we we kind of did an unfortunate streak of no buggy building, mm. um, and Firefly kind of broke that which was nice
0: so a couple interesting things in there to me uh right it's kind of this weird tension anytime you're starting something out of kind of hierarchy versus just like shit we just got to kind of figure this out like everybody's in there and you know i would probably imagine connor in your time maybe less need for structure because everybody's figuring it out and like it may naturally be democratic just because of the um kind of elements at play of everybody being on a floor and like figuring it out. And then that kind of some of his lost in translation as you're handing it off and, and recruiting. But, you know, I'd kind of, I guess just those initial kind of generations be interested in comparing and contrasting and just sort of like, how do you figure out building a hierarchy, especially when maybe you see something like an SDC and it's like, Oh, they look evil you know, everything is so structured, let's not be that and then kind of trying to find a happy medium or whatever.
1: So I'll start quick, and then I'll turn it over to Andre and and Sydney, because they oversaw two very different apexes. And I think they can talk a bit about how the two of them kind of created the the apexes that happen in their generations. But we really started out exactly that kind of as the anti SDC. And part of it was through our funding drive. We'd gone to SDC to try to raise some money um, because they had projects for either our money available for the dormitory or student related projects. And we got so much pushback from their chairman at the time that I really just wanted to stick it to him in some ways. And I think we all felt the same thing as, as a team. And so the idea of like open sourcing everything, we wanted to beat SDC while showing SDC what we were doing. Um, and we thought that that would be like the ultimate kind of smack back to what we were getting from them. Um, so we really created a very open source concept. And then to Josio's point, we wanted everybody to be able to come in as a freshman, a sophomore, a junior. If they put in the effort and if they really knew what they were talking about, we didn't want to hold them down just because they were a new student. We didn't want them to have to kind of earn their stripes, so to say, by you know being just a basic like... Uh, you know, door person, we may refer to them as door bitch um, at some teams, uh, preventing people from seeing into buggies and all of these other things. And we really just wanted to give people that opportunity because you're only here for four years. And maybe your senior year, you're so busy with just trying to find out what your career is going to be like, or applying to grad schools, that you really only have three years to be involved. And if you're losing two or three of those years to just working your way up the ladder, we just didn't think that was fair. So we tried to set up a place where JossiOs of the world could come in and the Andres of the world and the Sydneys of the world could come in as freshmen and show us like, hey, we wanna be here. We're really excited about this and just kind of dive head in and really make a massive impact on the organization.
0: Yeah, sorry, one, one real quick. Tangent aside, so did like SDC, I know like there's SDC outside of buggy, like did the actual council deny you funding?
1: No, no. They gave us the funding to much to the chagrin of their buggy organization that did not like us very much, That money that was supposedly theirs was now going to fund another buggy organization.
0: Oh, okay, cool.
1: We can get into that more, but
0: sorry, Jessica, (laughs) or Andre, let, let that get handed off, but just wanted to clarify there.
3: Yeah. Uh, that's so funny you mentioned that because that, what we ended up calling open shop policies, what really stood out to me when I first heard of Buggy. Um, Buggy was initially, to me, the group of people that would hang out in front of Doherty Hall behind tables and kind of shout at you. And so you would kind of avert your gaze and keep walking. Uh, <laughs> and and I think, I think it was SCC Buggy that I first spoke to. And I was like, wow, this is nothing I want to have to do with and they had this like of trophies <laughs> behind them and they're like come join us so you can find out what's you know so great about Buggy and how to win Buggy and I was like great I don't even know what Buggy is but sure um <laughs> <laughs> spirit Buggy and they actually told me what Buggy was about and that sounded cool and by that time the activities fair was happening and I walk into this huge gymnasium and there's like 10 different teams and there's only one team that actually had a buggy that I could look into and see what actually made these things roll and how, you know, you could fit someone into such a tiny little car thing and and turn it around, uh, around a band at 40 miles an hour. And that was Apex Buggy. Um, so I actually ended up putting my name down and showing up to these uh, shop hours and working on making parts from day one, which was really... Really awesome. One of the parts I made was actually when I broke when I dropped one of the buggies. <laughs> <laughs> the, the,
2: the,
3: yeah, the, it, that was Phoenix actually that mysteriously s- jumped off the cart when I was happened to be next to the cart. Um, <laughs> but, but that was, and, and that, that is where my nickname uh, started from. But, <laughs> but it was, it was experiences like that that made me really like. Being with Apex just because there was so much banter and there was an opportunity to get a lot done um, and parts of Jossio's story actually are hilarious because I didn't even know that stuff like that was happening like the secret shop hours and the fact that I was to to become head mechanic was news to me um, I, I did want to help out more and so I, I ran for assistant head mechanic and then I get an email directly from Nick saying hey like so, you know some people like threw your name around and like why don't you jump jump in and accept the nomination for head mechanic i i i think that uh with some help you could get a lot done and i'm like oh yeah right like there's no way i can like step over um chris's head or, or zach who's the assistant head mechanic but i i threw my name in the in the hat and somehow that was the name that got pulled out uh, at the end of that process. And so, like Jossiel mentioned, I had to jump in with almost no experience. All I'd done was build some parts for Project Ignition, replace some parts for Ember, replace the piece for the part that I broke on Phoenix. <laughs> um, and, and just, you know, between like sort of texting Nick, who was slowly but surely disappearing off, off the grid, and ask her, uh, how many layers are we doing? Uh, what kind of carbon, like, who are your suppliers? Like, where do I order this carbon fiber from? Where do I get Nomex from? Um, Nomex being a, a flame-proof material, ironically, one of the factories burned down. And so then we had to figure out how to get a new the supplier. <laughs> uh, because there was no Nomex to be found. So it's just one example of things we we had to, to get going. And a, and a great example of how... Apex, having this sort of open shop policy and letting people jump in from year one really led to me learning a lot. Just trial by fire.
1: Total tangent that I want to bring up. Um, Josio, can you explain to the people listening here um, what that fire uh, led to you guys doing and which buggy was created off of some of the Nomex that you ended up sourcing?
2: (laughs) I was just about to jump in with that. I was going to say, actually, that Uh, factory fire actually kind of benefited us later Um, so we we did have to find new suppliers or find a supplier because a lot of the knowledge like Nick was kind of grooming me and Andre for these roles and then she disappeared Mm -hmm. and uh, even though Nick did get stuff done she kind of did it all on her own. And when she disappeared, we just lost everything. Everything. So, me and Andre really just started from scratch. So, like trying to find where to buy materials for buggies was a big thing. And also knowing how much of those materials you need. Um, so, we found a supplier in Texas for Nomex. And uh, we were like, how much Nomex do you need? I left Andre in charge of choosing the amounts and everything. Because uh, at that time, I was also acting as treasurer because nick who was supposed to be treasurer disappeared so and then my assistant chairman also disappeared i was just half of exec for a good semester yeah that was awesome um so i let andre have too much freedom because i you know trusted andre as my head mechanic um so he ordered nomex like enough for like three buggies worth well okay Uh, I i need
3: to set the record straight here we were supposed to build two buggies that year which was um F- Ambitious. Well, the the there was there was Project Ignition, which got scrapped pretty quickly. There was um, the project for Firefly, or the, the buggy that would become Firefly, and then there was the actual new buggy that we wanted to build um, with a new with sort of a similar design to what Project Ignition had. Um, and so the idea was I was ordering supplies for two buggies. Uh, ultimately, I I ended up buying enough for three, for the, you know, <laughs> because that's what I was doing. <laughs> But we bought enough supplies for two buggies so that we could build one simple one, like Phoenix, which was our only successful buggy, our only sturdy buggy. And I said, I want to learn everything about making that, a buggy like that one, maybe half the weight so that our pushers can actually pick up some speed on the uphills. Um, And then at the same time, try to come up with a design for a second buggy and get the ball rolling on that one. So whoever ends up uh, succeeding in the following year which is me I actually had I was head mechanic the next time, year as well um could also carry that momentum and continue building the buggy uh but yeah keep going with this story Justin. Go ahead.
2: yeah so Andre got extra Nomex <laughs> yeah he got extra um which is the core material for a lot of buggy teams they'll have some kind of like cardboard-esque like material, like honeycomb material, like the Nomex, or they'll use some kind of foam um, in between their carbon fiber layers and whatnot. And You're letting out
1: secrets. Don't do it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I hope these aren't secrets. Every team should know those things. (laughs) And uh, During chairman's meeting, um, SIGEP asked like, hey, does anyone have Nomex? The factory burned down and we can't find any to build our buggy. And I was like, well, it just so happened. and um, we sold them at an incredibly nice price. I think we realized after I could have asked for a lot more. Um, and we we sold them our extra Nomex, and I even went to their shop. We kind of helped them and talked about it. Um, that was another big thing my year is even though we were an open source team, and like Connor said, we, we kind of wanted to take the best things of other teams also. Um, the, the way that Nick kind of ran things is she was trying to just steal information from other teams and then just kind of hold on to it for us. And I think when I became chairman, I really opened it up to a lot of other teams. So we started collaborating and learning a lot from CIA, from Fringe, from Sig Um We helped Fight Elf get their start and build their buggy. I helped a lot with With Argo Um, and even with SDC we were on really good terms with SDC my year uh, because as a freshman I was flagging on the shoot and I think I told this story when we did the flagging episode on shoot the shit but me and Joyce were who would later become SDC's chairman would flag together and like you know share their tarps for warmth and everything and so I had good relationships with all the other teams and it worked out nicely uh, but yeah, so we helped Sigep out. Um, that buggy would later—the buggy they built with our Nomex was Beyonce, uh, which is just an iconic buggy, and I'm I'm really glad to have a small part of that.
3: Mm.
2: And uh, yeah, so oh, things that like crap that. Crap, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, yeah, that that was a really big part. Is I wanted to make sure that we were. Um, not just open source in what we do, just telling people what we do, but also that we were a collaborative team and we would work with other teams. And that was something very different. That was like, I think the biggest shift from the dark ages to whatever recovery ages that we started to work with other teams uh, because we had to, we had to learn from them because we didn't know what we were doing. Um, yeah. That's our, our Nomex story. <laughs> So thank you. Thank you, Andre, for helping us foster these great partnerships with other teams.
3: If you're ever wondering why the head mechanic never gets purchasing powers in Apex, (laughs) it's because we almost ran out of funding. Uh...
0: (laughs) And maybe not to get on too much of a tangent, but, you know, I do think the funding thing is interesting where, you know, some of these teams have such a deep alumni base and a lot of money can come from that. Or you're you're a Greek chapter, and you have both an alumni base and just like dues and shit every year. So you know it's under like you know SDC gave some money, maybe student government, but uh, you know was it BAA and and how did you go about that? Because money is such a important part of buggy for better
3: for right. Or worse. Right. Essentially, there's there's a build budget. That each team gets, and I think our year was what like four thousand uh, dollars, which is not enough to build a buggy, but that's that's what you get. Um, and we collect dues about you know twenty five dollars per member, and that goes towards getting pizza and like uh, subsidizing shirts for people. Um, so we we really had to be pretty economical uh, with our materials, and it w- it wasn't strange to see one of us. Uh, hanging around this the scrap material bin at the shop at, at several machine shops throughout campus trying to get spare metal to, you know, use as rods or raw material to make wheel mounts, etc. Um, and so, yeah, Josie and I had to be really creative to work with what we had because we, we did not have sort of a seemingly endless pool of, of alumni donated money um, to work with.
1: Well, and and to go back to your point about the budget now that all the teams get there is a set number that every buggy organization that's jfc funded gets when we started that number was 500 dollars for organizations that were less than three years old um and and somebody brought this up to me a couple of years ago that i completely forgot about i did an interview with um shit what is the campus newspaper ah
0: the tartan The Tartan. the tartan um
1: that I was quoted saying, yeah, $500, we can't buy anything with that. Like they might as well not give us any money. Um, And it led to a years long conversation with StuGov and JFC, where we were able to come up with a much more fair funding structure. So now it's not based off of how many years you've been around. Everybody gets a flat rate based on the number of buggies that they roll um, up to a certain number. Um, and so because we were able to put that in place, I think it's really allowed for a bit of a leveling of the playing field where organizations like, um, you know, CIA that was still coming up, but wasn't quite getting the alumni donation and funding that some other teams were. And obviously us with having no alumni except for um, Adam McHugh being our adopted wheel daddy at the time, uh, showed up <laughs> with a bag of wheels on race day and sometimes would give us some money. Um that, that was what we had to go off of. And, and I think us being able to negotiate that that process um, and work with the school to get a much more equitable funding structure has put into place now what you've seen in recent years of CIA winning some trophies, of Spirit being able to recover and win some trophies. Because mm-hmm. for a long time, even a big organization like them, because of internal politics, their buggy team struggled with funding and Yep. Um, I think that these kind of methods really helped them and they weren't the, the end all be all solving of why these teams got there. They, they put in a lot of work themselves and did a great job of, of fundraising their own money. But anytime you can get a, a much better baseline to start off of, I think it, it allows you to really be a lot more competitive.
3: Yeah. That, that was instrumental for us to, to, to have that baseline and, and uh, as a starting fund for us to be able to fund, you know, repairing, Phoenix and whatnot, um, and building Firefly. I think one of my favorite memories is when we were practicing uh, capes in the garage, sort of our break testing. And one of our alumni, Calvin, who I don't even know how he knew we had we were there because we were communicating internally with, with whatever group chat we had at the time that he was not in. But he kind of walked up to us and gave us-
0: It's a very Calvin thing to do. Yeah,
3: I mean, I <laughs> Calvin he a, just a he walks him. up to us and says, oh, nice buggy. Uh, hands us a check for 50 bucks because we were short on like aluminum i think which also i don't know how he knew (laughs) (laughs) i'm like oh thanks (laughs) um and then we just carried on it was just like yeah such an apex thing i
1: i swear that calvin has figured out how to like teleport because he's kind of an enigma that just like shows up through like a cloud of fog does a whole bunch of stuff, adds some chaos and and some intrigue to your life, and then as quickly as he came into it, you turn around and he disappeared.
3: It was Calvin (laughs) and the Loch Ness mechanic that really made my job as the first-time mechanic my sophomore year feasible. Uh, I don't know if Jossiel wants to uh, tell us about the Loch Ness mechanic.
2: Sure. I guess uh, I was a little incorrect in saying that I was – one of Apex's only recruits because there was the Loch Ness mechanic. Uh, one of my floor mates, Mark Cho, and we eventually were roommates later on. Um, he He's an amazing machinist. Like, he is so good at machining things. He's such high quality, all the parts that he makes. Um, and he really just liked to machine things and build parts and didn't really like going to shop hours and being, he just kind of wanted to do his own thing. Um, so sometimes you'd be like, Hey Mark, I need this part made. And he's like, just leave the SolidWorks drawing on the bench. It'll be there. And then I'll come back the next day. And instead there's our our machine part right there. And then I started telling him, like, people call you the Loch Ness mechanic. You're just this kind of mysterious entity that nobody's ever seen. And he loved that. And he really decided to lean into that. So he's like, I love that. You will never see me around the shop ever again.
3: <laughs> yeah yeah i i literally left a piece of aluminum with with some parts on uh on the table the next day i get a, a text from a random number saying hey i need some tolerances
4: <laughs>
3: so I text back some numbers and and, lo and behold, the next week the the brackets there on the table are done <laughs> i didn't even think to ask how he got the number but it, it really worked and it was so helpful <laughs> Uh, it's funky.
0: Um, I mean, it is, you know, a lot of these buggy teams, these little glue people, not to call them little, but you know, may, maybe miss out on, but uh, you know, key to, to a lot of it. Um, I, I guess maybe get into the, the transition a little bit, uh, you know, Andre to Sydney and, um, I guess how has kind of the, the open source, um, Spirit of things sort of maintained within that, and at the same time, was there more of a rigidity or or documentation in terms of like, you know, it it seems like that may have been the bend of like Apex just being able to get to race day and put buggies versus Apex becoming serious and you know a team that will be in the top ten pretty regularly.
3: Yeah, that that was documentation has always been a challenge for us and. One of the capital expenses that we made was this pack of design notebooks. Um, and we were very earnest, or earnestly tried to, to rigorously note down everything we did with Firefly. Um, so that if, you know, if any of us, you know, had to start over again, there'd at least be something to go off of. And I'm, I'm really happy to say that we've never actually had to start over again. But those notebooks are hopefully still there. Um, and being used at every shop hours, I'm sure Sydney has been, you know, diligently note taking every every shop hours session and every design decision um, somewhere. No comment.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Google Docs.
3: Google, that's um. even better, honestly. That's yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: I just really like the physical notebooks because for Fireflies, I had a lot of fun making it, and I would print out pictures and tape them in, and I would use like painters tape, so it looked kind of it's really cute. I turned into half build book, half like a scrapbook, and I put like team photos in it and everything. It's really
5: and your cute. guys documentation. I'm going to shit on it a little bit. Um, <laughs> and the only reason I say that is because half of it is just memes tooling on Andre. And it actually is pretty hard to get information out of. <laughs> it's like, alright, some of this is helpful, but I got to go digging through six pages of Andre sucks before I can find it.
3: I should moved uh, my statement. I, I should really be clear about: I was really earnestly trying to get documentation going. I never said that it would be <laughs> useful, but, but okay. there would be a notebook for you to discover.
5: No, I um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I moved into more electronic documentation. I was big on documentation, and largely because of the pandemic, is. Um, we knew that kind of the next big race day was going to be race day 22. And I was head mechanic for the two years that there wasn't a race day, uh, which was great. And I've emotionally recovered from that. Uh, but was kind of realizing <laughs> that a lot of our younger members who haven't seen a race there are going to be the ones in charge. Um, so we left them what we could. I'm sure Isabel has plenty of thoughts and comments on criticism and on whether we did a good job or not. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> so great
4: wrote like an 80 page how to head mechanic that like saved my ass so many times
5: honestly, and honestly most of it was just a diary it was just like this is how i feel today everybody has to know <laughs> uh, but i like to think there was some good stuff in there yeah when i joined apex it was largely by accident uh, i joined in 2017 and i was head mechanic for 19 through 21 and I did not do like any looking into other teams or anything. I just saw on Facebook that you guys had a GBM. And I pulled up and I was like, what's this all about? Um, and I was trying to very surreptitiously eat pasta in the back of the room and not talk to anybody. And Connor comes up and he's like, hey, like, what's your name? What are you excited about for your freshman year? And I was like a mouthful of pasta, like, ah, <laughs> hi, I'm Sydney. Um, so Connor really recruited me uh, from my freshman year. and. From that GBM, I was pretty much sold. I was like, all right, this is my next four years. What are you going to do? So as far as like the open shop policy goes, I didn't really know any different. Like I didn't know what the other teams did. I didn't know that that was unusual, Uh, but it was definitely like one of the things that made me stick around and that made me like the team a lot, that made me like the vibes and the energy of the team a lot and what kept me involved. Uh, But I will say that when I was head mechanic, I think I was one of the head mechanics who was least passionate about open source. Like I, that was the team I joined and I was like happy to keep doing the open job policy like all of that stuff I was excited about but um, I was less big on like everything needs to be open so that's when I started doing more research into like why wheel sourcing is maybe a thing that makes sense to have be more on the deal um, and started moving away from like the unconditionally everything is open source and, and personally I don't think that really takes away from apex's team culture of sharing information with other teams like allowing any new freshman to learn anything but was definitely starting to pull back from that everything needs to be published and open like even our google drive folders used to be like anyone on the internet can edit settings for everything finances <laughs> included i was kind of like you know i think that's a little unreasonable i don't think yeah, we have to do that probably um, i don't know if
2: that was intentional
5: i don't know if it was either but i was kind of like this so. is i don't This <laughs> is i don't think i knew um, that to be honest
2: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs>
5: So, I mean, also everybody knew all of our passwords. Connor and I, we're at like a buggy event uh, last year. And so, Andre, like you got mentioned in, in some context and somebody from CIA goes, oh, is that the Andre who sucks? Who was a junior at the, <laughs> the time? Like, we did not overlap with you at all as a student. And he's like, that's all the, the, the passwords for all your guys' accounts, right? There you go. And I look yeah. up like, yeah. you guys know that? And immediately... That's probably, how this times. y'all. we need to change every password. Apparently, this is
4: my record to state problem. that the, at the end of last year, after race State we did go through and change every single password. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm not sure if everybody
4: can my story on Tri sucks, but everything else, like all the valuable stuff <laughs> is different. <laughs>
1: But
5: yeah, Yeah, definitely try to, especially coming out of the pandemic, leave the next exec with something, even if it was an 80 page Sydney's diary and a Google doc build book, something that you guys could build off of for the future. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I I, I do want to dig on one thing you said where not, not specifically necessarily about wheels, but being like, Oh, I I could see why being private about that would help. Um, I guess Curious, just like why. Um, maybe it's obvious, not necessarily to me, of like what I guess where the line is on like, okay, what should or shouldn't be shared and how that helps or gets away from a mission. Because you said you felt like it didn't change things. So I'm, I guess just curious, digging a little bit into that.
5: Yeah, I guess my opinion when I became head mechanic, I was really, I think, a pretty harsh 180 from Maxwell, the head mechanic before me. Um, He and I had had some disagreement on how the team should be run, how the build should go. We disagreed on pretty much everything. Um, And coming off of Solaris's build, I was bitter. Like I was a really bitter 19 year old, you know, I was like, this build was awful. Like it was really difficult. We had no money. We had no people. It was just so difficult to get momentum going on that build. And when I was head mechanic, I was all, you know, up in arms about it. I was like, this is going to be different. This is going to be better. Um, and really what I didn't want to do was go into this not having a reason why things were the way they were, if, if that makes sense. So like if we were going to be open source, that's great. But let's make an informed decision about what is open source and what's not instead of flinging everything into the Internet as anyone can edit this just because that's what we've always done. So if that's a decision we come to, fine, that's great. But let's like be able to stand behind it for a reason other than, yeah, but that's why we started. So we're going to keep doing it. Um, and I, I'm, I'm so sorry to the Apex founders if that is counter to your guys' initial goals. No, I mean, um,
3: I think it's really rewarding to see the next generation of uh, head mechanics and see them come up with some really great stuff and things that actually make sense more than this is what we tried and it sort of worked. So we're going to keep doing that because we're not sure which decisions we made enabled this to work. <laughs>
5: I never wanted to be in a spot of like, oh, like a new freshman isn't allowed to see this part of the room or isn't allowed to do this process. Like, I never wanted to reach that point for sure. Like that I was adamant about. Um, But for things like wheel sourcing, for example, a big one is like competition in supply, where it's Mm -hmm. difficult to find suppliers sometimes that are willing to sell wheels in the batch size that a buggy team can afford to buy them. Um, and if one team screws over one supplier, then that supplier knocks out every buggy team. They're just like, I'm not willing to sell to you guys anymore. Um, and so having that be secret has some benefit because it's not a mechanical problem that you're mechanically solving. It's a supply issue. Um, So it's kind of a different type of problem. Like we're not gatekeeping mechanical secrets. We're making sure that we can still get the parts we need and the equipment we need in the timeline and at the prices that we need to have them. Um, So it's almost like a different motivation for having that be not open source, uh, which is part of like why as a head mechanic was willing to make that distinction of like why something could be totally open internet and another thing couldn't be. Um, Yeah, I think like just in general, Apex my year has some growing pains of, we had a huge recruiting year my year. Uh, somehow we got like an entire floor of Stever, like the entirety of Stever 2 was a yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, That was
3: that was tough. such a change from my first year as head mechanic where I had one recruit, Maxwell um, and it was just the two of us in the shop trying to um, get uh, at the next buggy out, Azula, mm-hmm. um, and then finally you guys came in and that that was just an explosion, and I still, I'm still not sure how that happened. To be honest, it was just kind of like <laughs> one day there was two of you, and then there were five of you, and then there were ten of you. And I'm just like, where are you coming from? Please stay.
5: Where? I just showed up, and a bunch of people were there, and I was like, ah, oh, yes, another group of confused-looking freshmen. Um, and they were like, oh, yeah, we all live on Stever too. And I lived in Shirley. I was in, like, Oakland. Um, and they were like, yep, we all know each other and our best friends already from O-Week. And I was like, oh, hi, I'm Sydney. <laughs> um, and it was actually Vidya introduced me to everybody else on Stever too. She was like, you know, she introduced me to everybody, like, made sure I got involved. Like, Vidya's super lovely. She was, well, like, one of my first friends on Apex, really. Um, but Vidya never introduced herself. She introduced everyone who was around. It's not her name. And seriously, Viddy and I were friends. It was not until the sign-up sheet for October Kennywood that I saw her name on the sign-up sheet right. and was like, Thank God her name is Vidya. I can be done with this now. It was way too late <laughs> to ask.
2: Well, it's really <laughs> funny you say that. Um, same with me i didn't video <laughs> name was the last that i learned of all of it was, you guys
5: it's like oh you're sydney nice to meet you this is anna and i'm like yes. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that was i mean a crazy recruiting year for us we ended up with a bunch of people um it was definitely me and video from that year who were like really involved and stuck around and when it came time to elect head mechanic Uh, For the next year, the first year that I was head mechanic, Vidya and I had talked about this. Vidya was assistant head mechanic and was far more likely to win that election because she was assistant head mechanic. And she was pretty much like, I'm not going to be head mechanic without you. Like, you're running. Sorry. And she knew I wanted to be head mech. So I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, But we ended up running together. We were head mechanics together. And then the year after that, we were like, okay, like we need to... At the time, Head Mechanic was kind of like a miscellaneous role of the team. Head Mechanic did a lot, a lot of non-mechanical stuff included. And so we said, okay, there's two roles now. And we made Vidya build lead and me Head Mechanic. And for the two of us, that didn't really change the role much, but we kind of wanted it down on paper in the Constitution that there was going to be two people with mechanical oversight, kind of for the rest of Apex. And our big example thinking of that was like, we were like, Maxwell was an incredible build lead. And Andre was an incredible head mechanic. And if they had been able to do that job together, if they had been the same year, if the timing had worked out like that would have been great, how can we make that happen? Um, so we did some restructuring voodoo magic over the Constitution a little bit, but that's kind of what we wanted to see for x over the course of the nice hard many years.
2: I don't know. That's When I joined and when I was chairman of Apex, we were so small. We had such few people. I, I could not comprehend the need for a build lead and a head mechanic, yeah. you know, I was used awesome. to just like three of us kind of doing everything. Um, so it was, I mean, that, that's a very, that makes so much sense. It just, it's something that wasn't an issue or would have even popped in my head. I couldn't imagine Apex having these types of issues later in the future. I was safety chairman when Sydney and Vidya and the whole Stever squad joined. And it was wild at capes seeing all these people when, capes was something we struggled to get more than like four people at you know we always had like the bare minimum um which was it was wild it was a very different thing yeah. and it's also funny that you say connor helped recruit you because um, when connor was gone when when i was joining apex and i'd only heard stories of connor and i was definitely afraid of connor
3: (laughs) i'd heard that connor flipped the table during one of the meetings and that was all i knew before he came to campus and and i actually (laughs) i was like wow you're such a nice guy where's connor i I, you know
5: Oh, that's you? Oh, all right. <laughs> when I was a freshman and sophomore, I idolized Connor. I was like, Connor was the first person in 40 years to start a team. He's done all this stuff. He wasn't an even engineering major. Like, I thought Connor was the coolest guy. <laughs> that's
2: um, wild. See, that's <laughs> Sorry, Connor. Connor. Sorry, Connor. I, I was, I'd only heard really bad things.
5: Yeah. Like, even alum advice in general, like McHugh and Connor, I was like, Maxwell had not been as much into alum outreach. And I don't even know why I was willing to die on that hill so hard, but I was like, we are pulling a full 180. We're going to get every opinion from every alum who was willing to talk to me about Buggy. Um, and obviously, Connor's always willing to talk about Buggy. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did you flip yeah. the table?
1: Yeah. So um, <laughs> table flip. I guess this story is coming out now. Um, <laughs> It was sophomore year, we had a situation where a lot of people were going to the shop and working on things and doing things, not necessarily without asking other people to be involved. And we were really excited to get this buggy built. Like we were getting close to getting Phoenix out rolling for the first time. And I kept trying to slow them down so that more people could be involved in the process because I was concerned about losing interest, especially amongst new members who just weren't as into it. Um, And in my stress of not knowing how to deal with all of this, I walked into a meeting one day and I said, new rule, nobody's allowed to work in the shop after 8pm ever to infinity and beyond, like you cannot do this anymore. And Basically, there was like an uprising of people being like, absolutely not. You're not, like, you can't do this. We're going to do whatever we want anyway. And then, like, people who were like new recruits are now in the middle of this drama between like the two sides, like yelling at each other. And in my frustration of just wanting to get everybody to listen to me and not knowing how to deal with my emotions as a, totally not ready for college 18-year-old, I screamed enough, flipped over a table, and that ended the conversation, but also very nearly ended my time as a member of APEX. Wow. I had to take a two-week break from the team. Um, I had to apologize profusely to every single human being that I have ever interacted with in my entire life upon APEX. And, uh, somehow by the miracle of God was allowed to come back as, uh, the apex chairman after all of this, which I I don't know how anybody had the grace to grant me that sort of, um, acceptance. And that sort of like, Hey, we get it. Like you're going through a lot of shit. You're trying to do the right thing. We see that, but like, this was not okay. We're going to give you a second chance. Like, I, I don't think now, um, and and this is not to like create like a culture war or anything, but like, I think now people would see that as like, do you have like issues that you just really shouldn't be involved with this right now? And at the time I probably should have stepped back. Um, But like really had a great group of people that genuinely were friends and like cared about me and, you know, were really friends that I, I still keep to this day, you know, friends, friends that I still talk to. And, and there are members of, you know this conversation today and members of Apex that you know I hope I can continue to maintain those friendships until the day that I die. Wow.
0: No, I mean, yeah, it's it's being eighteen, nineteen involved in a lot of this stuff as you know intense it is it is and the the time commitment. It's uh, yeah, we all in in different forms and fashions you know have have yeah. kind of been there, uh, but you know. To, thank you for sharing that, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and to pile on this a little bit, I think like as I got towards the end of my, this happened my sophomore year, but at the end of my freshman year, there were a lot of incidents of things that I did that probably weren't like the smartest things to do. Um, And so similar to what Sydney did, where she effectively wrote a diary, I wrote this very dramatic story about the founding year of Apex that I don't think I ever quite finished, but I tried to like put this all down in writing and be like, this is what I have been feeling at this time. This is like the things that I did and very much didn't try to like cover up the shit that I did that was wrong. Like I wanted people to be able to look back in this in the future and say like, okay, here is like what was going on. This is what happened. Here is the whole story. You make your decision on what you think happened, who you think was in the right. I don't really care about that. I just want you to get from the moral of the story. Like when you are chairman, you are not dictator. You must listen to people. You must let people do their parts of the project because if you don't let people do their parts of the project, you end up having to do everything yourself. And that is never a successful situation. It ends up hurting the team. It ends up shrinking the team. And I think like, as you can hear through these stories, um, you know, it was the people who kept trying to close things off and really take control of things just themselves doing it, that put Apex into those bad situations. Mm-hmm. And then as we started focusing more on including people and creating a structure so that more people could be included so that there wasn't as much chaos in what Sydney and Isabel have been doing over the last couple of years, that's really started to build Apex into the strong team that it is now.
3: Yeah, that's great, yeah. I, I think I realized as head mechanic, the more I step back and let people do things, the The faster the project got underway, and I really I, I view my role as a mechanic as just ordering parts, coming up with designs, or even putting people in the room that that have the right the skill sets to be working with each other and just let them do their thing. Hmm. And then at the end of it, we got a buggy out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and And yeah, it's really great to see how much it's grown since then
2: really cool stuff yeah what exactly what connor said about you know trying to do everything yourself and it becomes a mess that i think that's what happened with the chairman before me nick and like also like connor said having you know new recruits in all of this drama kind of con the middle i definitely felt like a you know confused child of divorce between our head mechanic jackson and our chairman nick and i did not want that to happen again it's just uncomfortable for the new people, sure. And
0: it, it, you know the the turnover is always so tricky because because like a couple people mentioned right, it's just four years, and uh you know you can build so much, but in the same time you know it can turn around quickly. And I think that maybe transitions nicely with Isabel right, where Sydney had been putting a lot of stuff in, and you know, <clears throat> talked about kind of the COVID year being a weird year of transition, but in another way maybe being an interesting opportunity for a fresh start. So, you know, Isabel, I'm curious for you, how much of like the Apex culture, you know, did you feel like you were inheriting versus kind of like what you're able to kind of build on your own? And, and obviously right last year was, was one of Apex's best years. Uh, You know, if you look at the combined finish men's and, and women's um, you know, pretty, pretty good stuff there. So I, I guess kind of what was that transition like for you taking over here and trying to keep this apex legacy going but at the same time there's a lot of fresh stuff just kind of given what covid did to buggy
4: yeah i mean like i joined apex my freshman year and it was like the fall semester immediately before covid so like i got a lot of like sydney's version of open source and like what that means and i don't think i like fully processed How open Apex really was until like my first roles when I saw everyone like coming out intense and everything. And I was like, hey, we're just out here. Okay, that's interesting. And like I ended up like really leaning into the open source and really enjoying that. And then with COVID, like we had, I think, I think like a single recruit that year because we were doing everything virtually. And it was like one recruit Aviva who apparently joined because I thought she thought it was cool, which was weird. But like (laughs) And then after that, like, I was elected head mech. My friend Elena was elected um, build lead. And at the same time as COVID, um, all of the shops in East Campus Garage got renovated and all of our stuff was moved out. So we had to also move back all of our stuff. So, like, the summer before my junior year, both, like, I was in Pittsburgh for the entire summer. Elena was there for, like, half the summer. And we kind of just, like, sat down and had a discussion about how we want to lead the team because we were like pretty much like two of the most involved people of our year and like two of the most involved people on the exec board that year like we kind of ended up having almost unilateral decision power as a result because like the only person on exec who had seen a race day before was Amanda who was our head driver everyone else was a junior and had never seen a race day before and me and Elena were one of the few people who were on campus, like, our sophomore year, so we were the only ones who were even a little bit involved with, like, roles and stuff. So, like, we when we sat down to, like, essentially put our shop back together and make it not a giant empty room, we were like, okay, we're going to set these roles, and since we're going to probably basically just get a clean slate, we're just gonna say, like, we're just gonna decide what the culture is from Apex, for Apex, and like, now moving forward, and people aren't really going to know anything different so like we still like set up with a very much open source um, people can come in we can teach people whatever they want like even like we were helping with Sigep a lot and ended up having like the Sigex exhibition race which was extremely wholesome but we also like just decided to do a bunch of things with like the shop and how we do like even just shop organization where like my freshman year the shop was not a mess but also not the best thing in the world we did our then, best Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. it was like what you would expect from a bunch of people spending (laughs) a lot of time in a shop, (laughs) but like we went in and like got a bunch of like bins and organization stuff and we're like, okay, we're just going to start this out at the beginning of the year and then we'll just make sure that the new people keep putting things away and eventually they're not going to know any different Mm. and that just it stayed like this year um our head mech and build lead are two people who were recruited last year and like they can't stand dust being in the shop and it is wild i went
5: in and people was dusting off a shelf and i was like girl you are fighting a losing battle (laughs)
4: literally like elena was doing like she was making her mini buggy last year for a project and like she didn't vacuum up after she was sanding her mold and robert got pissed (laughs)
3: that that throws throws me back to walking into the shop and seeing the shelves in the back and immediately going back there and seeing saying what's this and that's ah yes that's our mystery shelf that is all this (laughs) stuff we don't know where it goes or what it does (laughs) that's our complex shelf and I mean it it was a battle for me to even implement a safety goggles drawer Um...
5: (laughs) summer after my sophomore year I think Connor was there Vidya and I were like We're going to go through the entire shop and anything that you can't tell me why this is useful in five seconds or less i am throwing it away and (laughs) and we're like sydney you can't do that what are you doing and i'm garbage (laughs) and the amount of stuff we cleaned out of that room was i was like is this pioneers they're like probably i'm like good it's trash now like it was just random rusty broken nonsense that nobody knew where it was from and the pioneers used to do booth too so it wasn't like old artifacts; it was like old nonsense. <laughs> Where I was like, if you don't know what this is, it is going in the trash. Those are good stuff.
4: Construction did that, did that for us. Yep. We found a bucket of wood screws, and that was like the weirdest nonsense thing we had in the shop. And we ended up <laughs> trading it with Fringe so that we can get a power drill, for, and they got the wood screws. <laughs> That's
1: awesome. That's amazing. Those those wood screws existed when we first got the shop in 2011.
4: That's where they
3: came <laughs> from? Wow.
1: <laughs> they, that's those were pioneers booth wood screws.
3: Oh, my God, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, there there were so joined-
2: much random things and I just didn't know what anything was, so I was afraid to throw anything away, but I'm I'm glad that <laughs> oh yeah, no. I, yeah, I, the courage I have, like no material you attachment.
4: If Go there's on. no use for it, not, was, it doesn't belong like, here. Thank you. I, I was
5: painting over sections of wall that were like covered in random stuff. Like that giant steel black table that was like four million pounds. Oh, um, yeah? We took it apart, and I don't even know what we did with it. We just got it out of the room. I don't even know how we did that either. Um, I, I don't know. Someone took it. Nice. Yeah, it was a full week of just tearing stuff apart. <laughs> Maxwell was horrified. <laughs> Sorry,
0: Maxwell. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is interesting to hear, though, kind of obviously some very different management styles and philosophies, but like it, it does seem, you Apex has done a good job, which is not always the case for teams of right. Kind of this core, open source, be chill, <laughs> like. Um, you know have fun with it but still taking the buggy and the product seriously like does seem to be a pretty good through line that you know certain teams you know say what you will about pike and sdc like the culture is a pretty good through line it seems like apex a decade in now the culture is a pretty good through line as opposed to other teams you know it, it it will ebb and flow so i do think that's a testament to something i don't know necessarily but uh just just kind of cool to see that that is there i mean i am curious a little bit of you know it's easy when you have a goal um like let's we're just gonna build our first buggy we're gonna build a buggy every year but now you know on the verge of competitiveness like how will that culture shift or you know how does apex run themselves thinking okay now we're a more serious buggy org.
4: I mean, I will say that, like, for my year at least, just because we had the COVID year before and, like, we didn't really do a whole lot in terms of building, it was a lot of research. So we kind of, like, took a more research role when I was leading Apex, where it's, like, we're going to build a buggy. It doesn't have to be the best buggy, but we're going to learn a lot from it. So, like, that was kind of, like, my mantra that entire year of, like, we're going to learn a lot from making this buggy. It's not gonna be the fastest or the best bug in the world, but we're gonna learn a lot from it. We're gonna make sure that the people younger than us learn a lot from it and like can take that forward. And from what I'm seeing so far with like current build that that's it's working. <laughs> wow. I
3: love that. I, I really that, yeah, I love that.
5: That I, was one of the things I think I didn't do so well in, in 2020 really is we had big plans, really ambitious goals of when we were building Molotov that was not the buggy I wanted to build. It was like Phoenix 3.0, but I was kind of like, we've done Azula, Solaris, like we've gotten, like, we we don't have enough like solid, sturdy, this can roll for a while buggies, and that's what Molotov was intended to be. Um, and so the buggy after that, when I knew I was gonna be head mechanic for a second year was Nova, and it was gonna be a forward truck, and we had these new carbon processes in mind. And like, Nova was like the buggy that I wanted to build. I was so excited for that buggy. And before Molotov was done, I was like, meeting with Vidya and Ryan, who was this head mechanic, and I was like, hey, for this next buggy, like, look into this process, look at all this stuff. I think we can do a forward track. Like, I think we can pull all this off. Um, and they're like, hey, like, we even finished Molotov. Do you want to chill a little bit? Um, but I was just so adamant that like that was going to be Apex. It was going to be Apex 10. Like, It was going to be the Apex buggy. Um, and then pandemic hit, and Molotov didn't even roll in that, what was that, spring 2020. Um, and I was... Angry. I was like, we are not pulling back on these plans. Like, full send, we are doing every change we had planned all at the same time now. Isabella Elena, good luck. Um, and in hindsight, you know, that was a terrible plan. And I'm sorry I stuck you guys with that. I really am. Uh, but it was kind of like, Race Day 21 might happen. Race Day 22 is definitely going to happen. And Buggy kind of turned from, like, who can have the best Buggy team to, like, who can team, team their team together the best while remote? And I was like, that we can do. Um, And so really tried to, like, keep buggy programming happening over a year and a half of remote, and that was not easy to do. But, you know, that being said, you guys came out on the other side of the pandemic pretty well. Like, especially for them to, you guys to race as many teams as you did and not have a single DQ, it's pretty incredible. And Nova happened, so, you know.
4: Yeah, Nova happened, and I keep the DQ thing as, like, a point of pride that, like, every time I'm like, oh, this other team, no, we didn't DQ anything. They did.
0: (laughs) Were were you one of the only multi-team teams to not dq last year because i feel like i think they were the only multi-team team team.
2: yeah Yeah. as a former you know sweepstakes member that's what i was most proud about i was like yes thank you so much apex
5: yeah that uh tape review uh from last year was gnarly uh yeah (laughs) that was not a pretty year for dqs it was
2: like 11.
5: I, I I probably have like the hard copy of the list on me I, I, I don't remember um, But you know Being Sweepstakes the fifth year I think everybody here knows I very much did not want to be Sweepstakes but oh my god Handing you guys that fourth place was Absolutely fucking incredible Like it, it kind of felt like everything that we've done Over the last ten years was worth it Just like handing that to you guys in that four seconds That it took to give it to you um, Yeah one of, one of the best moments of my Buggy career It was amazing
4: you know, seeing, like, the final, like, leaderboard after, like, at the end of day one, we were like, we're, we're there? that That's us? That's actually
1: us? Right. The, the craziest thing about last year, too, was, I, I mean, you guys didn't even get, like, the most out of it, right? Like, there was a missed shove on, on Hill 2, and you guys made by far the least mistakes out of everybody, but, like, that probably cost you four seconds and maybe even a third place last year, Um, and then... I don't know if you want to tell the story about what happened with the men's B-team and, and how close it was oh, to God. not even rolling that team last year.
4: Is that Nova? I, I don't remember race day because I got like three hours of
5: sleep. But <laughs> McHugh came up to me on Hill 1 and just goes, where's
4: Nova's steering? And I'm like, McHugh. oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Nova, our men's B-team was... The heat that got that started raining partway through, and there is a spin for spirit, and as a result, our driver had to do. She's like a fantastic. I honestly, so many kudos to her. But she had to do some maneuvering that resulted in our brakes breaking, like fully breaking. And we get back to this finish line, and I'm bringing her down to drops, and she's just going, Isabel, Isabel, I don't have brakes. We can't do this. I don't have brakes, and so. Like, we look down, I look at um, the assistant judge, and he just goes, okay, you know what? what you're gonna do, this was weird circumstances, file a reroll request, because this completely falls under reroll request." So in, like, the 40 minutes? Hour? I don't know how long there was between the first, like, that heat in the reroll, but Elena, who was our build lead, and then Harry, who is current build lead, basically entirely remade Nova's brakes. We dropped her before the heat and then again afterwards because we had to make sure that these actually worked. But, like, the brakes and the steering in general, because Nova's steering for a trike, we removed it to load the driver in. The steering went back on roughly 10 seconds before we put the hatch on to drop her. Like, I was on the phone. Like, we were, like, we're watching the countdown. I was on the phone with Elena. Like, we need the steering now now. Harry, like, appears from somewhere, and, like, I grab it, throw the steering on as quickly as possible, bring her to drops, drop her, and then we just go. (laughs) It was... No one breathed half an hour.
1: There was a point where I was floating around the the truck and they said, five minutes, and I looked over and the buggy had no steering.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, genuinely, it was 30 seconds out. I put this, like, I threw my phone nearly into, like, the little grate that was by our like I nearly lost my phone to the sewers <laughs> because I just threw it, didn't think about it, <laughs> with the steering in, and it just ran.
0: As well, but you didn't get the DQ, uh, yeah. so <laughs> okay, congrats. Didn't get DQ
4: and Nova worked. Yeah, I love that.
0: um, it, it is cool though to see you know that quick of an ascension. Um, I, I guess you know as we get towards the end and kind of wrapping things up, like do you all have any predictions or thoughts on sort of the the future of apex or it seems like obviously if you're on this podcast still pretty involved and still an org that's that's learning plenty um but kind of what it what it will take to actually get maybe a top three on on men's or or women's side and, and and what the team is doing to get there
1: i think the biggest thing that i see with apex is they're finally starting to do the things and focus on the details that are going to inevitably make them competitive year in year out. They're focused on the people and keeping the people around and growing and investing in their people, um, which is huge. It's the number one thing in buggy is being able to transfer knowledge down from year to year to year, because the turnover is just so quick. Uh, It's the secret sauce for SDC is not wheels. It's not buggy technology. It's not any of that stuff. It is their utter and complete commitment to passing knowledge down from year to year to year.
4: I
5: wrote in the Buddy diary in like 2019 that I thought Apex could get top three in 2022 and win by 2025. And I still believe that.
2: When I was um, in Apex, I always kind of, I never, my goal was never to place. I think I was really just trying to get Apex to compete and like be together long enough to make it there um so i don't know like all of all of my goals and all of like my strategies were just trying to keep the team together so i never really had to think about how to make apex win um Mm -hmm. but it's it's very different now and it's i don't know i i was like blown away last race day it was it was awesome seeing you guys do so well and i mean i I definitely think you're there i think you're at a point where you're not struggling to find people as much or figure things out you're able to kind of explore and experiment and um like connor said focus on those details that are gonna shave off those seconds and make you win um i mean this last year i think the fact that you didn't get any dq shows that Apex knows what they're doing right now.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think you guys have said it all. Yeah, I remember being in Baker and trying to convince people that uh, to take on a research project. I had written on the board a list of research projects from most aerodynamic shell to wheel materials to whatever else. And that was at a time when we could barely even get enough people out to rolls to get our buggies up the hill. Um, so to see a team that's that's grown um, to a point where we can actually take on these projects and get so close to the top three, is, is makes me really proud. Good job, guys.
4: Yeah, hearing about just like the people issues <laughs> that like you all have had in the past makes me like so grateful for like what I had last year. Like. We had a really big recruitment year because there was essentially like two years worth of recruits coming in. Like there were shop hours where we had so many people that we like didn't know what to do with. We just had them like replacing flashlights on batteries because we didn't plan enough stuff for them to do. (laughs) We didn't really go into last year like thinking, oh, we're going to like place top three, top five, whatever. Like both me and Elena were just like, we just need to make it to race day and make sure that everyone knows that we're doing what they're doing. So we ended up focusing a lot on just, like, training up all of our mechanics so that they know exactly what to do, when to do it, and that ended up working out really well, and I'm currently, like, assistant chair of Sweepstakes, so I'm not, like, directly involved in, like, everything that Apex is doing, but, like, just seeing them during roles, like, very well-oiled machine, I, like, don't have to worry about them ever, so I have very high hopes for this year. <laughs>
0: I meant to ask this way long ago, but where did the name come from, Connor? I feel like some of these teams, you can't actually get the story behind that, or they're just named after a frat or whatever.
1: There's there's going to be a big grunt in, in the room in a minute here, but uh, we invented a way of selecting names that was used for selecting buggy names, I think, until only maybe a year or two ago, um, which is called Kill the Worst Names. <sighs> Um, And so we allow everybody on the team to submit as many names as they want for everything. And this started from naming the team. And we collected a list of uh, probably 30 or 40 names, put them all up on the board. And then we voted for the names that we hated the most. And then we killed those off and then moved to the next round of voting. And it is a process that then leads you with three names. And once you get to the final three, then you vote for which one you like the best. And these processes would take hours. No joke, like there were times where we were sitting naming buggies for well over two hours came to the end, everybody voted on a name, all of us looked at each other and went, that is horrible. How did we come up with this? And then somebody somewhere else just going, uh yeah, we need to do this all over again and then doing the whole process a second time. Or what would happen in some cases is somebody would just change the votes behind the scene to a name that was actually a good one, and that would end up being the name that got picked. Yeah.
5: Ember used to be Arson. Azula used to be Diablo. No, Azula used to be Magma.
3: Magma like Diablo. Which is the slowest Balapop- flowing liquid. <laughs>
5: Videa uh. <laughs> and, and I are the one who nicked voting from the bottom because yeah, God. we did some we did some we took some head mechanic liberties on, on Molotov's name vote, uh where we had everybody vote in secret and then Vidya and I looked at the no- at the votes and announced what the name was gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> so I can appropriately publicize that Molotov came in third for Tavi's name. Um I believe Nova wasn't first and we yeah, wanted I Nova-, Nova being first. And we were like, Do you want that? <laughs> And we were pretty much like, but Nova's, like, it means new and all this stuff. Like, we wanted that to be the next buggy. And I don't even remember what came in second. I think it was Prometheus, but that was already a buggy, buggy. name. So we were, like, absolutely like
4: I feel like it might have been. It was a weird name for the, like, third yeah. choice. Maybe Vulcan or Hestia or something. Um, it I think it was Hestia.
5: It might have been Hestia. And then we were pretty much like, oh, look at all the votes, guys. It's it's Molotov. Good voting, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> So the name Apex went up against two other names in the final voting. These were the names that ended up getting voted on total. Sydney just dropped them in the chat to remind me. It was Diomech, Helioverk, Apex, Apotheosis, Valence, Shift, Aeon, and Impulse. Those were the names that we were selecting from. We came down to Helioverk, Apex, and Shift as the final three names. <laughs> Helio Burke at one point was leading in the voting <laughs> until I stood up and said, everyone, do you want Helioverk to be the name of your team? And we all looked at each other and said, no. And someone was like, I don't really like any of these names. We all looked at each other and said, we're not doing kill the names again. So we selected which one of those three was the name that we hated the least. Nice. And that was Apex. And so in the end... The name Apex was selected, not because we loved it the most, but because we hated it the least.
0: There's something I like about impulse, but I, I think Apex is, is the right. Uh, yeah. Wow. Um, I'm really glad to ask that question. So there you go. Really, really enjoyed that conversation there. I think it's just so interesting hearing the nuances and ins and outs of, of building that culture and you know, how quickly they were able to come together and, uh, for the most part, hold it together and interesting to just see where Apex will go from here. Uh, but we want to hear what you thought about uh, this week's episode. If you go to cmubuggy.org/slash chat, uh, you can hop in the Discord, uh, talk to us about the episode, what you like, what you didn't like, questions you have, any ideas you have for future episodes, all that good stuff. Uh, more than happy to hear it. Um, And next week, we continue our uh, kind of Apex-centric season so far. Promise that's no overly due influence from BAA President Connor Hayes. It really is not. Uh, but we're going to talk about the Buggy Bill book, which he and Dia Nuxle put together which is really cool It's a document it's live now on the BA website uh, with instructions for whoever wants to be the next apex of just like the basic nuts and bolts of putting a buggy together. So we dive into kind of what made that process start and uh, what's in the book, how it can be used, all of that. So going to be really cool stuff. So tune in next week for that. I have been Will Weiner. Uh, thank you as always to Rachel Schmidt uh, for producing, editing, putting all of this together. Hope you enjoyed it and see you next week hear you next week I, I don't know what the correct verb is because i'm doing neither i hope you hear us next week on shoot the shit